Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Down the blind, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the off-season episode X, not sure what number it is, we've done a fair whack over the last few weeks, uh, they've been some crackers in there though, go back and have a watch of the other ones if you haven't caught up on them, normally we have now Newcastle halfback, Just Jackson Hastings joining us, he's a little bit busy at the moment as you can imagine, so we're back to the OGs, back in first grade, myself, Matty the Waterboy, welcome back legend. Thank you, and like I, I love that it's back me and you, but... Fuck, I enjoyed having Jackson on the bar over there. He's so good to listen to. One of the greats. You're very, very lucky Newcastle Knights fans. I think he's going to be sensational for you. Uh, we'll be having him back over the next few weeks. He's just got to get a few things sorted, obviously. A very busy time. But, uh, yeah, exciting times. It was uh, it was cool to watch it all unfold too. So, uh, yeah, exciting times for Jackson. We'll have him back soon. But the show must go on, Matty. The show must go on, uh, and we've got a cracking topic today that we're going to go through. We're going to have a look at some of the most underappreciated or the unsung heroes in premiership-winning sides. So sides that have won premierships from 2000 onwards. We've picked three each. Well, I know Matty's picked two, and I think he's got a bit of a wild card for his third one. He's sitting down there like a Cheshire <laughs> cat, and not telling me what oh, it yeah. is. But we have got some good ones here. So unsung heroes from premiership-winning sides. Not just unsung heroes in the grand final, but just unsung heroes in those teams in general. Uh, obviously, the majority of teams have won comps in the last 20 years, so you're probably sitting at home knowing that your team has won a comp. Apologies, Parramatta fans and Canberra fans. But the rest of you, I'm sure you will have someone in mind from your team. So it'll be interesting to see who we pick. We've got three each. Uh, so I'm keen to see how we go here. Matty, do you want to open us up with your first one, mate? It's funny you say that, actually, that everyone knows that they have a player in their team because my second one who's, who isn't, is from my team, but my first one is I've got two friends who support the Sharks, and I know it's only two friends, but they're definitely my two loudest friends when it comes to footy chat. So 
this it probably comes based off like how much these two guys spoke about this particular player in the 2016 season now it's matt Pryor, the front row from from the sharks and it's maybe he isn't an unsung hero because he i think he won player of the year that year for the sharks but when you think of the 2016 grand final like you think of like gallon and the young like benny barb james maloney even like chad townsend the young gun like jack bird Val Holmes, and like obviously like matt Pryor. Matt Pryor was so good that year, but he's probably not the first person to think of. So that's why I've put him as the young son hero. Now, <clears throat> he was the first person I thought of when he sent me the text this morning. So I went back and had a look. And one of the first articles that comes up is Greg Alexander saying that he thinks that Matt Pryor was the most improved player that season. Now, when I thought Matt Pryor, I just, I thought, no, he just had a really good year, but I've gone and like, compared his stats from the first half of the year to the second. So let me get them up here. So so basically he came to the Sharks in 2014, in and out of first grade. And then at the start of 2016, between rounds one and 17, he only ran over 100 metres a game on one occasion. Wow. So that's one out of 16 games. That's pretty much most of the year. To finish the regular season... He ran for over 100 metres in seven of the nine games. And then most of his offloads that year were at the back end of the year. Now, this coincides with Paul Gallen being kind of injured at the back end of the year. Um, so he kind of like, he felt that he had to step up. But then once it became business time, he'd already stepped up. And he's, I guess his mentality was, well, why the fuck would I not rip in any further? And cast your mind back to the first finals game of the 2016 Sharks finals campaign against Canberra. Matt Pryor was the best player on the field. They were down 12-0 and then, you know, not known for his line-breaking ability, Matt Pryor was the one that scored the first try. And then in the second half, not only did he play every minute of the second half, he's the one that threw the offload to start like the attacking play for the Sharks. It was either the match equaling or game-winning try, whatever it was. So his stats for that game, one try, 22 runs, 223 metres, an offload, three tackle breaks, a line break, and 33 tackles. Wow. So he that's one of the best finals games by a front rower ever. Like, that's incredible. And then, obviously, they went on to beat the Cowboys and the Storm and won the premiership. He won, I think it was joint play of the year. I think it was with Fafita. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it was a joint with someone. Um but yeah, Matty Pryor, he deserves all the praise for that 2016 uh, Sharks Grand Final. Mate, I was just having a look through that 2016 season and um, he played 25 games that year. Mm. And I think there's only one season for the Sharks where he plays less than 20 games. So an absolute stalwart. But I was also mm. having a look through, in 2016, if you have a look through his entire season, he actually wears number 15, number 16, number 18 in just about half his games. But he starts in every single one of them, mm. which I think is really underappreciated as well to be the starting front. And obviously, when you talk about Cronulla Sharks front rowers from 2016, there is one name and only one name you think of, Andrew Fafita, that incredible grand final performance. But to play 25 games and start in the front row when you're one of the benchmarks in the competition that year, a bloody good effort. I think the other thing with Matt Pryor that we forget, and I don't know, people might want to look at it a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, He'd already won a comp as well. He'd won with the St. George Illawarra Dragons in 2010. Now, he's yeah. very young at that point. But you need to remember that, realistically, that was the St. George Illawarra Dragons Foundation Premiership. 
That was their first premiership as a joint venture. Obviously, the St. George Dragons had won previously. They lost the competition in 1999, obviously. But that was their first premiership as a joint venture in 2010. And then he also wins the Cronulla Sharks' first ever premiership in 2016, which is, you know, the Dragons and the Sharks, I mean, outside of Roosters Bunnies, is there a more bitter rivalry in rugby league? What do they call it? They call it the local derby. I local think. derby, yeah. Yeah, no, they hate each other. So so a pretty good knock for a guy to win the first ever premiership with the St. George Illawarra Dragons and the first mm. ever premiership with the Cronulla Sharks. A pretty special place in history. Now, Speaking of special place in history, mm. he also played Origin. Yes. So Brett, Fre- Freddie Fittler brought him in for game two, 2018, which turned out to be the game-winning match, the, like the... So it was one all, then they won the game. And that was 2018. So they hadn't won for three years. It was Freddie's first year as coach. Not only that, you said the front row thing before. He started in the front row that game in his debut. Crazy. And, uh, mate, I'm just having a look at the bench for them. Paul Vaughan, Jake Travojevic, and Angus Crichton. Wow. So some pretty handy players there that they could have picked ahead of, like, I mean, Paul Vaughan and Jake Travojevic alone. Paul Vaughan played for the Kangaroos that year, remember? Mm. Matty Pryor, he didn't play for the Kangaroos, did he? I don't think think so. Let me... I think Origin was the highest that he got to. He played... Yeah, no. Yeah, he played we went over to England. A couple of, couple enough, of games in the country, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, a tremendous... I actually met Matt Pryor uh, Matt, when he was really young. I reckon he was 21, maybe 22. I remember I was at a friend's house and her, her housemate was going out on a date that night. And the guy picked her up and he came inside to say hi and it was Matt Pryor. Mm. I only spoke to... And he, I'm sure he wouldn't remember, but I only spoke to him for about two minutes, but... Mate, had all the time oh, – obviously, he was about to go on a first date, so he was trying to impress everyone in the room, but uh, had all the time in the world for everyone. So, champion player, Matt Pryor. Were you in the uh, State of Origin camp then? Yep, met him. Great bloke. Good fella. Yeah, and I, I have one of my good mates, Ryan, who worked with me, worked with him at the Sharks as well and said the exact same thing. Mm. When Matty Pryor came in, he's like, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a good one. Now, I could be wrong. He just retired the other day, didn't he? Yes, retired a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago. Yeah, and he's 35, so – Pretty good, uh, pretty good knock by Matty Pryor. More than 300 games across the NRL and the Super League. 253 in the NRL. Incredible stuff in the front row. And uh, 57 over there in the Super League. So, And I mean, not that I've watched him play in the Super League over the last couple of years, but I know when he left the NRL, I thought, why? Mm. Like he could have 100% got to 300 games in the NRL, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree. He, um, but nonetheless, fantastic career. A great shout there, mate. 2016, uh, Matty Pryor for the Cronulla Sharks. Unreal. I mean, you could also have him there for the 2010 Dragons as well, yeah, I think. Yeah, fuck, he could for sure. Which is a pretty fair shout. Who's your number two, mate? I think you've uh, gone deep into the burrow here, haven't you? Yeah, look, I couldn't I couldn't look past my uh, my 2014 Rabbitohs because there are so many people in there who I think are unsung heroes. I'll list a couple that aren't. Uh, like Dave Tyrrell, he he was fantastic that year. He was he played front row every game. Jason Clark, he is just an unsung hero for the Rabbitohs in general. Um, honestly, like he was one of those guys that like was was a great player, but like he'd win clubman every year, clubman of the year every year. He also went to my school, which which was a bonus. But <clears throat> my nomination for unsung hero for twenty fourteen was Chris McQueen. Now. Chris McQueen was dead set one of my favourite players. He um he started his career on the wing, and I think in about twenty twelve, midway through twenty twelve, he started to transition to the into the back row, and then twenty thirteen is when he started. He like really cemented his spot for the Rabbitohs, and he ended up playing Origin that year. Mm. 
Mm. Now, 2014 rolls around and it's much the same. And again, you think of Rabbitohs, 2014, you think of two people. You think of Greg Inglis, you think of Sam Burgess, and then even outside of them, you think Isaac Luke, you think Adam Reynolds. There's a lot of people you think of before Chris McQueen, but like, don't get it twisted. Chris McQueen was so important for the Rabbitohs that year. Just his like, we, we talked about before off camera, like, for example, like Kurt Mann from Newcastle. Like just someone who can play a lot of positions, like someone who can fix a problem when you need it. And Chris McQueen, not only like did he fix a problem when you need it, he he absolutely excelled. So like he played as a back rower, like running lines, doing all that stuff. But he also, he's he had like such a good um, like in the air contest. Yep. He also, if you go back to the Rabbitohs 2012 game with the Roosters when they scored two tries at the end, Chris McQueen was the reason both those tries were scored. He's just one of those guys and... I talk about the like the in-air contest thing. It showed in the grand final. Go back, watch the highlights. Adam Reynolds kicks it and he kicks. And like, it's not like Chris McQueen's just like floating around and like grabs it somewhere. They kick for Chris McQueen who's standing on the scrum line. It's like, it doesn't really happen. Like Adam Reynolds kicking and Adam Reynolds pinpoint kicks just so good. Um, but Chris McQueen grabbed it, threw it back to English and English like just kicked this ma- great kick and Avar scored. And that was one of many for Chris McQueen. And, it was a shame how he left South. I'm pretty sure it was to accommodate Burgess coming back and it was one of those things where it had to happen. But Chris McQueen has a special place in my heart forever. He he will always be one of my favourite players. Yeah, I, I think he's a very underrated football. And you're right, it's the little extra things that he could do. Like, the, as you said, the amount of times in the air he came up with something. Mm. Just incredible, and I, I mean, he left. He left South. What the end of twenty fifteen? Went to the yeah. Titans. Then went to the Tigers. I mean, the last five years of his career—it's crazy. The last five years of his career, he played about thirty-five games of first grade. Whereas the five years he was with South, he didn't play less than twenty-two games. Yeah, he was a, definitely years. regular in in our team. Yeah, he was sensational. I'll tell you what is, and in the dribbly sort of fashion that this show is made, the one, the number one moment I remember from Chris McQueen was the first time I realised. He had a tattoo of fucking Goku on his shin. <laughs> I remember looking at it going, surely not. Then I reversed back. He's got like half of the Dragon Ball Z universe on his right leg, I think it is. Yeah, he's 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 tatted up. I remember he was interviewed one day and like someone spoke about his, like asked him about his tattoos and he was he just was like, well, in 10, 10 years, CEOs are going to be having tattoos and I think that's the way the world has gone. <laughs> He's literally got the Z on his right knee for oh, Dragon that's Ball Z. So good. Unreal. Heavily back so that. Were you a Dragon Ball Z kid? No, actually. Not really. Really? Nah. Nah, I wasn't I just didn't get into it. I love Pokemon. But Fuck, that's disappointing. You I'm assuming you were. Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, I think you used to be on before Pokemon on Cheese TV. Cheese TV. The best. The days. Oh, that was not a care in the world. Yeah. Unreal. Take me back. One more thing on Chris McQueen. Yep. And this is dribbly. And I just checked my phone and I don't have it. But when I was drunk one night at the Sheaf, I, I think I saw him. <laughs> the Great Barrier Sheaf. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> Where dreams come true. <laughs> the Great Barrier Sheaf. I've never heard that. That's great. Um, and I was like fresh 18, like just so dumb. And I saw him leave and then drunk me thought, I'm going to send him like a really nice message. <laughs> and I don't remember what I said, but it was like, this long, like fucking 200 word essay, no full stops, just how much I think he's appreciated as a player, even though he might not get appreciated from the outside. And he didn't reply. Thank fuck he didn't reply. I, I saw it a couple of days later. I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, you are the worst. Yeah. 
But I was just having a look through his career. He um he actually debuted on the wing in 2009. He played four games. He scored two tries. Yeah. He didn't play at all during 2010. Was that injury? ACL, or? yeah. Did An it. ACL. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did it. Wow. Was his last game against Cronulla in 2009? 2009, his last game. Yeah, against Cronulla, he yeah. scored a try that night. Yeah, I was there. He they won three ACL. of those four games too. Yeah, he was he was handy. And, that, and obviously that's where his contest skills come from. So it's so handy to have. Now, I asked before the start of the show if Matty had three. He said, I've got two, and then my last one's a bit weird. So I don't know mm. what we're in for here. It always sort of worries me when Matty goes <laughs> down these avenues. But uh, hit me, mate. What if, who's your third, or who are your third? So my third, and I'm not just saying this because Denon's my boss, but, like, I had a look back, and in the last 10 or so years, I'm just going to nominate wingers in grand finals. Yeah. Because Toto doesn't count, right? Like last year, Toto doesn't count because everyone rates him. He's not an unsung hero. Everyone rates Toto. But three of the most fucking important grand final performances, I'll, I'll, I can't rank him because I don't know what's the best because they all won their team the game in some way. But I'll... Can I guess? Yes, go for it. Michael Robertson going to be one of them? No, I didn't go. Brett Michael Morris? Robertson. Brett Morris, 2019, yeah. Brett Morris, one of them. Jeez, I thought you'd have Michael Robertson's three in there. Nah, I forgot about that. But again, like I'm not just limiting it to that. I'm just saying wingers in general. Like there's been so many good wing performances in a grand final that no one cares about because they're on the wing. I thought Brett Morris was very unlucky not to win a Clive Churchill that night. When you consider that Jack White won it for his kicking game. Yeah. But his kicking game actually came to nothing because Because Brett Brett Morris Morris was so good. Yeah. I thought he was incredibly unlucky. Nightingale? No. Okay, I'm done. Who is it? So we'll start with Morris. Obviously, he was just kicked to death all night and he shut him down shut him down shut him down and was just so imperative to that roosters win the other one uh this is probably obvious but i think he doesn't get enough credit Cole felt in 2015 yeah. for some big plays in the last 10 minutes so the first one he did was uh he put kick pressure on ben hunt and who dropped the ball or something like it was a turnover of possession in some way and he I think it was a one-on-one strip off, yeah, a, off a line break or something, something yeah. like that yeah and he and he did that then obviously the try like you know everyone speaks about the try as michael morgan rightfully so but you know he still had to put the ball down but then like i know this is harsh from ben hunt but like well actually it's not harsh from ben hunt cole felt's kickoffs that year were fucking incredible they were like pat richards so like if someone just put an end-to-end kickoff in ben hunt wouldn't drop that ball and who knows what would have happened so like three like Biggish, like well, let's say significant plays in that grand final that, especially the first one, that don't really get talked about too often. I'm gonna have a couple of guesses at your third one. Yeah, this, it's a, it's a this one's a pretty pretty obvious one. Oh, okay, that worries me. What uh, I don't want to actually, I'll go through it. Okay. Luke Rooney. Nah, that was your first grand final, eh? Yeah, oh three. One, I yeah. thought he would have got a. I'll bait. give you a clue. I don't know. It was for his defence. For his defence, uh, start talking. So, I don't know how I can start talking without giving this away. Okay, just go. So, basically, in 2012, the Bulldogs were the most fucking, like, that was so good because of Benny Barber and, like, all their sweeping players and w- whatever they did. Sisawanga, in that 2012 grand final, and this was a masterclass by Craig Bellamy, he would just jam in, jam in, jam in. He sh- like the Bulldogs were looking threatening on that side. I reckon four or five times, and he just shut it down every single time. And they would just th- 
they, they, they couldn't do anything. And that's that was their go-to for the whole year. And I think, like, if you go to the 2012 Grand Final, you think of probably the best pass of all time when Kronk does the double pump and whatever. But I also think of Sisawanga in that Grand Final who just, just shut the Bulldogs down and, like, they shut the Bulldogs down for something that worked so well for them for the whole year. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, can you leave in the comments, did anyone see Cesar Wonga coming? <laughs> I did not see it at all. And I'll be honest with you, I, I was at that grand final and one of my best mates, he won the Toyota Cup just before that. So I was pretty blind that day enjoying <laughs> ourselves. Uh, funny story. I remember at the start of that season, my mate was playing for the Tigers. He's playing right centre. And in the preseason, it was like January, he texted me and he said, there's this new guy that's playing outside me this year. I think he might be the best winger of all time. <laughs> and I went, yeah, righto. Who, who's the best winger of all time playing 20s for the Tigers? He goes, his name is Marika Korobiti. Oh. And then over the, and that year, my mate got, he just about topped it for triasis because all he did was catch him past to Marika. And he absolutely went on a tear. And then later that year, you might remember, he made his debut for the Tigers against Parramatta. He scored four tries. Yep. And I remember at the end of that game, I got a text. Fucking told you so. <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, sweet. Pretty handy player though, Marika. But yeah, season Wonga, I, I think I need to watch that game again because yeah, I, I cool. don't recall what you're actually talking about, to be honest with you. Mm. But I'm not sure if I've ever sat down and watched that game again. I think I've watched that pass from Kronk to Slater. Yeah. Give or take a billion times. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. But I probably need to watch that whole game again. Do yourself a favour and do that. It's, yeah. I, I tell you what, the reason I've heard Ennis talk about it and I've heard James Graham talk about it as well. So I'm not just dribbling. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, just on Cecil Wonga. Now, I could be wrong. Was he not the mascot for the Roosters at one point? <laughs> I have Can no you Google idea. that? Can you do okay. all that for me? I am confident that in his early years at the Roosters, 2008, 2009, he had a part-time job being Rocky the Rooster. Anything I, coming up? Uh, if I'm wrong... This is one of the great shit talks out of an ass of all time, but I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Nothing coming up. Nothing's coming up. Right, might have to do my own research It'll on that be one later. Something. I'm sure there was a story about him being rocky. Anyway, I won't waste any more of your time on something I'm probably lying about. <laughs> all right, my Matty, is there anything else you want to add on him, mate? Nah, just wingers in general. They do a good job. They do 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 a good job, and uh. I'll tell you what, on that note, I'm actually, I had him at number three. I'm going to start with him because he's another winger. Uh, you mentioned Brett Morris. Now, Brett Morris uh, signed by the Roosters. The later parts of his career as an experienced winger to come to the side and he paid huge dividends. 20 years before that, the Roosters signed a winger with the initials BM, Brett Mullins. <laughs> Ricky Stewart was the head coach of the Sydney Roosters in his first year. And that 20, that 2002 Roosters, a very good side. Yeah, obviously, they won the premiership, sensational side led by Brad Fittler. The forward pack was just an all-international pack. It was sensational. But when you have a look at their backs, at that point in their careers, it wasn't overly stacked. And I think that Ricky Stewart at the start of that season made the decision, okay, I need to get some experience into this back line. So he rang his old mate, uh, Brett Mullen, too. He played in the year 2000. 2001, I, I, I don't think he came out of retirement. He must have been injured, but he didn't play a single game. Ricky Stewart called Brett Mullins. He came up to play for the Roosters. As you know, champion fullback for a very long time. 
He actually played a bit of fullback to start the season. I'm not sure why that was. Luke Phillips might have been injured or something. But anyway, he reverts back to the wing and had an unbelievable season. Absolutely killed it for the Sydney Roosters, Brett Mullins. Uh, in the last five weeks, he scored six tries. The only game he didn't score in the last five weeks was in the grand final. Uh, the last week of the regular season, he actually moves back to fullback. So this is a couple of weeks before he retires. He scores three tries in that game against the Sharkies. Uh, and then it was, it was a bit weird, actually. The Roosters played the Sharks in the last week of of 2002, and then they played them in the first week of the qualifying final. So played the Sharkies back-to-back weeks. Uh, they then had that great game against the Newcastle Knights where they exploded in the second half. Uh, then they beat the Broncos, and then they played the New Zealand Warriors in the grand final to win that one. And Brett Mullins, he sets up the first try. I want to say Shannon Hegarty scores the first try, 2002 grand final. Brett Mullins goes down the left edge, and he... Fullback comes across. I think it was Ivan Cleary actually throws a pass inside and they score. But Brett Mullins, obviously he's remembered for all of his achievements at the at the Canberra Raiders, the Green Greyhound, some unbelievable things he did there. But and he won comps there as well, of course. He was sensational. But then he comes back for his last season in the NRL, does a mate a favour, does Ricky Stewart a favour essentially, comes back to the Sydney, goes to the Sydney Roosters, uh, wins a comp there. And for another little piece of history, which is pretty crazy. Brett Mullins, he won the grand final of the Roosters in 2002. Do you know when the last grand final the Roosters won was, Matty? Nah, 75. 75. Do you know who the winger was for the Roosters? No. Bill Mullins, his old man. You're kidding. Yeah, pretty crazy. So that was back in the day when when footballers would also have jobs that they would work. And I remember my dad or my uncle used to tell me a story that Bill Mullins was actually uh, their garbage man. And really? at the same time, yeah, winning comp. So pretty crazy that 1975, 2002, what's that, 27 years? Yeah. Uh, father and son on the sting for the Sydney Roosters. Once oh, again, the same that. initials, crazy. BM. Yeah, Bill remember. Mullins, Brett Mullins, Brett Morris. <laughs> pretty wild. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Anything else you want to add on the great nah, Brett Mullins? No, not really. I mean, oh, by the way, he I just Googled it. He went to Super League in 2001. He probably. went to the Super League, did he? So then he can't, wow. Yeah. So pulled out of pulled out of Leeds, I think it was. But he only played, yeah, he played twelve games for the Rhinos in two thousand and one, and scored, yeah, scored four tries. So. Yeah, wow. And I mean, that was that was in two thousand two. It says here he's he's fifty one now, so he must have been a good age then. He must have been thirty one or so mm. as a winger yeah, in the bad. year two thousand and two. That was pretty old. So, but yeah, when you do have a look at uh, that. It actually should be noticed, noted too. Brett Mullins, he's got two nephews that are running around in the NRL at the moment. Do you know who they are, Matty? I have no idea. One of them is James Schiller down at the oh, Canberra Raiders. I think I remember Timmy saying that. Yeah? yeah. The other one, this will shock you. We actually spoke about him earlier today on another podcast me and Matty did. Jack Hetherington. Fuck, really? Yeah, wild, eh? Wow. Crazy. Oh, I wouldn't have picked that either unless it was here. But yeah, as I said, when you go back and have a look at that Roosters side from 2002, when you have a look at the back line, you had Brett Mullins, but then you had a young Justin Hodges, a young Shannon Hegarty, a young Anthony Minicello. Luke Phillips was at fullback. That, that, that game was the last game that he played in the NRL, of course. Too tough for his own good Luke Phillips. But as far as Hodges, Hegarty, Minicello, all these guys retired, you know, 10-odd years later. This is before Shannon Hegarty went to South, before Minicello moved to fullback. Um, Hodjo, he went back to the Brisbane Broncos in about two or three years' time. Uh, so all really young guys. Ricky Stewart addressed that. 
brought Brett Mullins uh, back from the Super League. I thought it was from Canberra, but from the Super League. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. They go on to win that grand final. But I think that whole Mullins, Bill and Brett, 27 years apart. That's crazy. Unbelievable. Crazy, crazy to think about. Can I give you one more stat? Brett Mullins' career win rate was 67%. 67%. Yep. How good is that? He only went below 50 once in 1992. Wow, doesn't that say a lot about him, eh? Obviously Crazy. in some good teams, but as I always say, good players make good teams. Mm, exactly. All right, Matty, my next guy. Uh, I think he's a very, very underrated player, and I think he's a cracking uh, trivia question as well. I think people don't realise uh, how much this guy did in his career and that he actually managed to win two premierships at two different clubs. And I would argue that the two premierships he won – they're probably the two most unbelievable premierships in d- definitely my lifetime and I think for the last 50 or 60 years, realistically. Paul Fatawira. Now, for some of you, I, I don't reckon you'll even be able to piece together where he won two premierships. He won a premiership with Penrith in 2003, uh, played 2004 with Penrith, and then arrived at the West Tigers in 2005. So he was a starting centre for the Penrith Panthers in 2003 and the West Tigers in 2005. Pretty crazy roller coaster, eh, Matty? Uh, I mean, what, like, you're right. I haven't really thought of it like this, but the Panthers 2003 grand final was incredible. And so was the West Tigers in the same but a different way. And you're right. Like, if I just think really casually back to the last two decades, they probably are the most two unbelievable kind of underdoggy stories. And he was part of both of them, which is quite fascinating. And he's a guy that doesn't get mentioned. When you no. talk about either of those teams. Well, he's a definition of an unsung hero. Yeah, he, he is the unsung hero. Just to give you an indication, that year with, we were with the Penrith Panthers, we, we all know the narrative, unbelievable. And Paul Fadawira played just about every single game. He played 26 games that year. I think they played about 28. So he missed, missed one or two here and there. He lost three of his first four games. So he loses in round one, round two, and then he lost in round four. Uh, from that point on... He lost a grand total of two games of football for the rest of the year mm-hmm. and one with the Penrith Panthers. Funnily enough, uh, they were back-to-back losses, one of them against the Sydney Roosters, who they went on to beat in the grand final that year. Pretty crazy. So when you have a look at 2003, um, he played 26 games there. The year after, he backs it up with Penrith again, plays 26 games. The year after that, he goes to the West Tigers, he plays 27 games. Now, those are the only three times throughout his career he played more than 20 times in a season, and he won two premierships in those three years. Pretty incredible stuff. The West Tigers in 05, we all know this narrative as well. Um, incredible. It was actually a stretch of about four weeks heading into this final series. I think it was the last three weeks in week one of the finals where he scored about seven tries in three weeks. He went, he went on a real tear. A little bit quieter in the finals, but... Once again, 27 games. I think he might have missed one throughout this entire season. But, uh, Matty, pretty incredible to think, you know, if you were, if you would have gone back to 2001 and said, or 2002 and said, hey, over the next few years, you're going to play for the Panthers and the West Tigers. If you play finals once, mm. you're fucking lucky, I think, considering how those teams were going at that point. And both teams win premierships, win the craziest premierships we've probably ever seen. Yeah, and how, how after that Tigers win, how did he come down from that two in two in three years? I was looking at his 2005 year as well. I know the Tigers had a slow start, but he also, you spoke about his try scoring at the end of the year. He scored 10 tries in his first 11 weeks, wow. all at centre, and then kind of dried up in the middle, and then he had that little spurt at the end. Um, 
Yeah, what a fascinating career, Paul. Like, I just, I just didn't know. He's just got, and he also does some fantastic things in the mental health space. I believe he's back over there in New Zealand. He does some fantastic things. So check out his Instagram, doing really good things. Uh, 16 games for the Kiwis as well. As you said, with his try scoring, uh, there was only two seasons he scored above 10 tries in. Uh, 2003, 2005. 2005 of the Tigers, he scores 18 tries. For a centre, that's a pretty good knock. Especially when, I mean, I, I bet you've never heard someone say, remember when Fatawira scored 18 tries for the Premiership winning West Tigers? I mean, you talk about other Premiership winning teams and you remember all their strike centres. Paul Fatawira was their strike centre. No one talks about him. It's funny you say that. So I've got the 2005, how many tries did he score? 18. So I've got the 2005 top five try scorers of the year. It's got Sean Berrig and Billy Slater, one and two with 19. And then it's got the three next best with 18, but his name's not even on the list. If that doesn't, if that doesn't say anything. So it's Colin Best, teammate Pat Richards and Matty Bowen, all in 18. Let, let, let me ask you this, Matty, where two real... Oh, sorry. Those are... Oh, wait. Are those are from... Did he score in any of the finals? Yes, yeah, I think he scored one in the final, so he, he might okay. not be on that list. So yeah, it was, he did score one try. In yeah, the he did. All right, so my apologies. It was seventeen the regular season. So match. what does that mean? He was the fourth highest try scorer of the season. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive. Now, Matty, we're both, we're two pretty keen rugby league nerds. As I said, no one talks about the strike center from the Tigers being Paul Fatawira. Who was the other center? The Tigers. Yeah. I don't reckon I would have got this to be honest with you. Well, I certainly won't. Shane Elford. Nope, wouldn't have got that. When you think about like you think about all these premiership winning sides we talk about, they've all got a strike centre, whether it be a GI, Jamie Lyon, a Michael Jennings, a Stephen Crichton, one of these guys, this West Tigers side. And oh, I think we should probably talk about Paul Fatawera more. Realistically, you think about that back line, it's really only Pat Richards we talk about. Brett Hodgson a little bit, but Daniel Fitzhenry, Shane Elford, Paul Fatawera. Far out. And the Crazy. Cowboys had Josh Hannay and Paul Bowman, who were both guns. Yeah. I'll never forget this 05 season. I remember the Tigers. They uh, they obviously went on this incredible run. It was awesome. Um, and on the bench for them was the current Cowboys coach, Todd Payton. You'll really like this one, Matty. I was living like uh, in Universal Street, sort of in Mascot East Lakes. And I remember there was always a house in the street. There was always a heap of noise coming from on a Saturday night. And I remember one day I realised that uh, Daniel Fitzhenry and Todd Payton were living there. No way. Yeah, and I remember at one point they were throwing out just a bag, a West Tigers bag. I remember driving past and thinking, fuck, that might have kid in it. Maybe. <laughs> I remember I, 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 I snuck over and got it. Had nothing in it, but I had this West Tigers giant kit bag as a fucking 13-year-old. Oh, that's the best. The best thing in the world. And then, and that was when they were shit. Then six months later, they won a comp. Fuck. It was unreal. What were they, what were they doing living in East Lakes? No idea. Careful what you're saying, my friend. Very, very careful. No, I'm just saying this. Like, you don't want to fuck around with uh, it's 2018, okay? I, I grew up in 2018, <laughs> first of all. But second, Which street were you in? I was Rosebury, but I was Lever Street. Yeah, it's not East right, right. Yeah, no, it's Rosebury, but it's right near the New Market. But no, I was saying it's nowhere near. They've got fucking Campbell. Nowhere Town. near it. Yeah, it's nowhere near either of their fucking home bases. Yeah, wild. Whatever. That's why it took me ages to sort of. I saw them and I was like, I'm probably wrong. It's probably not them. But Todd Payton, pretty. You're not going to mistake Todd Payton for many other people, realistically. No. Uh, but yeah, pretty crazy story there. And uh, yeah, Paul Fatawera, champion player. Matt, he played for five clubs and we, we already sort of had a look at it before, so we know the answer here. But just have a think to yourself for a minute at home, which clubs did Paul Fatawera play for? Obviously the Panthers and the West Tigers. Uh, the other three clubs he played for, he played a grand total of 12 games between all three of them. Uh, he played for the... Uh, uh, not, not just that. 12, 12 games over how many years? 
Uh, well, across those three teams, it was 12 games across three years. No, no, no. I mean, his first... Uh, one moment, one moment, I'll get it up. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, so okay, his okay. first... What is his first three seasons in the NRL? Yeah. He played, what, 21 games of football? Yeah, hang on. Sorry. I know what I want to say here, but I'm not... All right, so it was over 12 seasons. The first one was in 2000, and the second one was in 2011. Yeah, wild. <laughs> so he must have had a Super League stint in between that, did he? Uh, yeah, yeah, he went to Huddersfield, yeah, Huddersfield. for a few years. Yeah. So in the year 2000, he played for a team. In the year 2001, he played for a different team. In 2011, he played for a different side. 2000, he played for Auckland. Uh, so obviously the New Zealand Warriors, they were called the Auckland Warriors at that point. He played five games in that season. 2001, he actually moved to the Melbourne Storm, one that would stump a lot of people. Played six games there, scored two tries. And then 10 years later, he finished his career with one game at the Parramatta Eels. Played I, one game there. I couldn't believe that when I read that. I, yeah. I can't, like now that I've read it, like I think I kind of... I feel like I can see it. Yeah. I got a feeling it was around the Chris Walker sort of time. Yeah. At Parramatta. But I don't, I definitely would not have picked it. And I certainly wouldn't have picked Melbourne either. I, yeah. I think I knew Warriors, but um, yeah, I wouldn't have got those other two. Didn't win a single game at the Warriors or the Eels, poor bastard. Ugh, but it is insane. I think never played more than 20 games outside of the two years he won the comp and the one in between that. Your cop no losses in a few games when you win two of the most unbelievable premierships of all time. Well, uh, imagine imagine him signing with the West Tigers thinking, oh, well, had a good run. I was involved in something pretty special. Crazy. I'll just take advantage of that now. And then winning that 05 premiership. Which one do you reckon to be more special, Matty? If you could have been in either of those two sides, Panthers uh, 03 or the West Tigers 05, which would you have rather been in? Oh, my God. Like... It's so it's so hard to answer because I don't want to take away f- from either of them. Just I reckon t- I reckon just Tigers, just the Tigers, just the Tigers. I'm not I'm ignoring the game because if it's the game, I'd love to beat the Roosters. But um, <laughs> I just yeah that that Tigers Premiership was something special. I mean they both were, but they came out of nowhere. I think if you were if you're enjoying yourself, I reckon that Tigers team with a young Princey, mm. young Benji, young Robbie. I can, and like without a real, respectfully to all those guys, without an established superstar, yeah. like they didn't have, like at least Penrith had Craig Gow, Preston Campbell, Reese West, these sort of guys. I reckon that West Tiger year would have been unreal. Two pretty good jerseys, by the way. Oh, we spoke about that before. The Cowboys jersey was sick in the, wait, did you mean the Panthers oh, I mean jersey? the Panthers 03 or, or Tigers Bam. 05, which one do you prefer? Oh, such a good question. I don't know. I probably t- probably the Tigers again. Tigers. Yeah, we hadn't really seen a jersey like that before. That nah. was isn't that crazy? Like I look look back at that jersey and go, that was fucking unreal. If they would have got the spoon that year, I reckon I'd hate that jersey. Yeah, hundred percent. I remember I I once only once have I bought a jersey like a special jersey before it came out, yeah. and it was when South were playing Brisbane in I'm gonna say twenty anywhere between 2015 to 2016 17. I don't know. And it was a super, one of the Superman jerseys. I used to love the Superman jersey, but it was like the um, the bony beigey color one. Yeah, I'm like, yes, I'll get it. Brisbane and more, more specifically, Anthony Milford absolutely <laughs> tore us apart. I've never worn it since. Never worn it. No, it's just in my wardrobe somewhere. It's cursed. Grim. All right, Paul Fatawera, my unsung hero from the West Tigers and the Penrith Panthers. Uh, my last one, mate, and this is a guy that. Um, 
I, I'm surprised he hasn't come up in some of our underrated chats and whatnot. Tough as fucking nails. Never got to play Origin. Never got to play rep football. Thankfully, won a comp uh, with the Bulldogs in 2004. He was their lock forward, Tony Grimaldi. I believe he's been involved with the Canterbury Bulldogs over the last few years. I think he still works there. I think he's on their coaching staff or their... Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's involved there somewhere. I see his head around the place. Um, we talk about, you know, some guys that you see and you're like, oh, you just don't look like a first-grade footballer. I'm not sure what Tony Grimaldi looked like, but I wouldn't have picked him to be a first-grade footballer if I walked past him on the street. But tough as nails. He started his career in 1995 with St. George, played one game there. 96, he makes the move to Canterbury. Uh, plays two seasons there, and in the second year, he actually features, well, not only features, he scores a try in their grand final loss to the Brisbane Broncos. So that's in 1998. They get played off the park in that game, losing that one 38-12. to 12. And, that, and that was his only try of the year. Was that his only try of the and, year? And he played 20 games. Oh, wow. Doesn't that just sum this bloke up? Uh, really How does. good is that? Uh, so they take on a star-studded Brisbane Broncos side. If you're wondering, well, why'd they get smashed in the grand final? Mm. Lockyer, Devere, Steve Renolf, Darren Smith, Wendell Saylor, Kevin Walters, Alan Langer, Webke, Andrew G, Brad Thorne, Gordon Tallis, Tony Carroll. Have a look at this bench. Kevin Campion and Petro Sevenaceva, Michael Hancock. Unbelievable oh. side that, that the Broncos had. But yeah, Canterbury, they lose that one. He scores a try in the grand final. Uh, he then goes over to the Super League for a couple of years, plays over there, and then returns to the Bulldogs in, what is it, Matty, 2000? 02. 02. 02, wow. Yes, yeah, so he's over there for, he's over in the Super League for four odd years. By that point, he only played 25 games of first grade in the NRL, but he'd already lost a grand final. Uh, returns to the Bulldogs in 02. They go on that unbelievable run, uh, which is obviously they fall short because of uh, the salary cap debacle that was. You have a look through that year. Came off the bench on a number of occasions, but he played in the back row. He played lock. He played a couple of games at 5'8". So a bit of a mix, Mr. Fix-It there. Uh, obviously, 2002, they uh, they had their points taken off him. Absolute carnage. The year after that, he only plays 10 games in 2003. And then they return in 2004. Now, you need to remember in 2003, you know, obviously 02, they get all their points taken off and they're red-hot favourites to win this competition. They're breaking records left, right and centre. 2003, they get beat by the Sydney Roosters in one of the great prelim finals of all time. Uh, and then the Roosters, they go on the week after, obviously, to lose to the Penrith Panthers. But for years and years, everyone's wanted this grand final between the Canterbury Bulldogs and the Sydney Roosters. In 2004, we finally get it. And... This year, Tony Grimaldi, he plays 27 games, Matty. That's uh, that's almost more games than he's played in the rest of his career in the first five years. So to knock over 27 games, incredibly impressive. He played lock for the vast majority of the season. He actually started the season at hookup, played a couple of games at 5'8 here and there, uh, but then played the rest of the year at lock. And as I said to you before, it should be noted that in 98, he lost a grand final for Canterbury. Uh, if you have a look through that side, there was only two players that were in the 98 side, that were in the 2004 side. Tony Grimaldi was one. The other one was Steve Price, who, of course, he didn't play in that grand final. So Tony Grimaldi was the only player to lose in 98 and take the field in 2004. Pretty impressive stuff, Matty. Yeah, I mean... You're right. How he he only played what ten games the year before, fourteen games the year before that, and then just just like nailed that locker position down in that 2004 Bulldog side. And that 2004 Bulldog side, my team wasn't going very well at that point. So they were my second. They were definitely my second team, the Doggies. And I remember Tony Grimaldi 
in a way that's probably more different than most. I used to play with the Bulldogs on Rugby League Live all the time. Or if not, I'd be south and then I'd go to franchise mode and steal all their players. And I, my first memories of Tony Grimaldi was uh, playing him on that PlayStation. But then when you actually start watching uh, the footy, you realise he's, he's a fucking weapon. And that Bulldogs... Fuck, that Bulldogs forward pack. Like, if you look at that grand final, it, like, so he's starting at lock. They got Marco Mealy and Willie Mason in the front row. You got Rennie Batur and Andrew Ryan as his second rowers. You got Grimaldi at 13. Then you've got the best bench of all time Corey Hughes, Roy Zatasi, Sonny Bill Williams, and Jonathan Thurston. So he's part of arguably one of the best grand final forward packs of all time. It's right up there. It has to be. You have a look at that starting forward pack. Outside of uh, Adam Perry, who's playing hooker, every single one of those other players played for the Kangaroos. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Except for Tony Grimaldi. How did they lose the game that year? Far out. And I mean, the, the only reason why the forwards on the bench didn't play for the Kangaroos is because they were Kiwis, Roy Asatasi and Sonny Bill Williams. Far out. At their peak, both of them would have walked into a Kangaroos side. So Tony Grimaldi surrounded by some of the absolute best. And it should be noted in that game, going up against some of the one of the greatest forward packs of all time, the Roosters, Jason Kalos, Peter Cusack, Mick Crocker, Adrian Morley, Craig Fitzgibbon, Chris Flannery, Ned Caddick, Anthony Tupu. <sighs> Uh, the, the, these two sides went to absolute war, and this was the guy Tony Grimaldi never took a backward step. As I said, if, imagine if you imagine if you could go go down to Bulldogs training in 04 and see O'Mealy, Mason, Rennie, Andrew Ryan, and then Tony Grimaldi. Mm-hmm. who was the one that held them all together. Crazy, crazy. I reckon just... he's a champion bloke too. Oh really? Yeah, I reckon he's a legend. I oh. reckon that they, they all loved him. Far out. It's crazy when you look at that Bulldog side. You know, we've spoken about it on a lot of other podcasts, obviously, but just that bench, as you said, Sonny Bill and Thurston sitting on the pine as, if not teenagers, very early 20s. Crazy to look back it's one on. Of the best, it's one of the best teams you've seen. And they were just – the doggies back then were just such a delight to watch. Like, they – I know they got stripped of their points in 2002, but, you know, started with Big Willie with his big hair and then just went down from there. They were – oh, such a good team. Isn't that crazy, too? I mean, like, a guy like Tony Grimaldi played 121st grade games. I mean, when you're talking about, like, the, the greats of all time and, and and just general first grades, 120 doesn't seem all that great, realistically. But, fuck, the way that he played the game. and Well, he had to, he had to retire because of a neck he injury did, did he? Yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, he, he retired because of injury. Yeah, he definitely retired because of injury. Yeah, right. I'll look that up now. Bucky played the game tough. Yeah, Tony Grimaldi, he would be my unsung hero from the 2004 Bulldog side. There are a couple of guys in this team that you could probably put your hand up for unsung duties there. Uh, you obviously had out in the backs. Benny Harris was playing in the centres. I think everyone talks. Willie Tonga, El Masri, Matty Utai. Um, Luke Patton, I, I think he's probably 
spoken so often as the unsung hero that I'm not sure how unsung he is anymore because we talk about him so much. Whereas a guy like Benny Harris, we never really talk about him. Corey Hughes, Adam Perry, other guys that that never really get spoken about either. So a few in that side. But for me, Tony Grimaldi, he was the guy. Absolutely. So he had a bulging disc in his neck, so he couldn't couldn't play from end of 2006 onwards. Yeah, right. Yep. That's what you get when you play the toughest game of all in the way that he played. Mm. Matty, anything to add on any of the guys that we've had today? No, nah, just just the battlers doing their best. Battlers doing their and best. And now they've got premiership rings, so good yeah, on them. How good. Some of them got two. Incredible stuff. Mm. Uh, guys, plenty more to come on the off-season. During the off-season, we've got a couple of a couple of really exciting topics. I'm, we, we won't say too much because we've still got to settle on how we're going to do it, but we have got a couple of good ones up our sleeve, don't we, Matty? Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Yeah, we're going to change the past a little bit, I think, and have a look at how things could have played out. So it'll be very dribbly, uh, but very up our alley, me and Matty. Very, I like, uh, I, you texted me one of them today, and I obviously won't reveal what it is, but I haven't stopped thinking about <laughs> what could have been type thing. Yeah, it's very what could have been. So if you like your what-ifs, come and join us. If you don't, avoid like the fucking play because <laughs> you'll hate it. I'm going to love it though. Uh, thanks for joining us once again, guys. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe for us. If you're on YouTube, we're making a big push on YouTube. So if you can subscribe, slap that little button. I don't know where it is somewhere. I don't know YouTube very well. But I uh, mm. appreciate your support, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.